Welcome to the Midrange Podcast. I'm your host, KP. Today we'll be talking about the Warriors, the new look, the new location. See, with all this duo talk and people signing here and there and so on and so forth, I seem like we've forgotten that the Warriors were 57 and 25 last year. First and field goal percentage at 49. Third and three points makes per game with 13. Field goal percentage for threes was 38.5. That sat at third. Free throw percentage, they were at 80%. That was fifth in the league. Assist, roughly 30 assists per game. That was also first in the league as well, too. Uh, What they lacked, though, was offensive rebound. They were tied for 21st with 9.7. Steals, 7.6 per game. That was 15th overall in the league. And their turnovers were 14 a game, and that was tied for 21st in the league. Now, are they going to have the same year they had last year? Making it to the NBA Finals for the fourth straight time. Being able to solidify three championships in four years. And with the ability to be able to score as effectively as they did. Being that offensively gifted due to the fact that they had players DeMarcus Cousins, after the Achilles injury, came back, played productively throughout the course of the season, helped them with that. They lose him to the Los Angeles Lakers. Andre Gadala, or Iggy, gets traded to free up room so they can get D'Angelo Russell after KD was traded to the Brooklyn Nets for him via a first round pick as well too KD comes in or leaves I should say Golden State Warriors as a two time NBA champion and a two time MVP for those finals the Bill Russell Award Um, 32.9 points per game he averaged before he got injured in this 2019 NBA Finals. And KD with him on the floor. Uh, The Warriors are 1.16 points per possession with KD out there with them in in their lineup. Without him, they're 19th in the league. And that 1.16 points per possession that I stated before, that puts them number one in the league when KD's with them. So they lose KD. They lose on average or playoff performance, I should say. 29 points in 21 games. Uh, in 12 games this year, he was at 32.3 points per game. Overall playoff with um the Golden State Warriors, he averaged 29 points, 7.7 rebounds, 
four assists, one steal, and one block per game. They also lose Quinn Cook, who is now a Laker. Point guard that came off the bench was able to knock down some outside jump shots and key points throughout the playoffs and the regular season for them. He is going to be missed on their end. Jordan Bell also opts and leaves. As much as people remember him for the consumption of the Hennessy during the parade and Iggy kind of going off on him on that aspect and asking him to settle down. But, you know, when you're in a parade, when you've it's your first championship, people are going to act a fool. They're going to act who the, what they do. You can't judge anybody. Uh, just go back to Mark Matson and the Lakers and when he was breaking it down when Shaq offered his dance moves for the Laker Nation. It was scary to watch and uh, scary to see at the same time. So they lose a lot. So all those numbers I mentioned prior, field goal percentage, three-point percentage, um, assists, all that offensive category statistics that they were top five in are going to come back down to reality and they're going to revert to what they were prior to what KD was. But 73 and 9, is that really something that's a setback? So the mysteries going forward with this team after losing to Marcus Cousins, Andre Iguodala, so the top defender on the perimeter, is not in the equation anymore. Quinn Cook, bench player, Jordan Bell, bench player, and KD, what they brought in and gutted their bench for, is now on to another team, another location, another organization. See, the thing about what they picked up, the mystery behind that, you know, D'Angelo Russell had a great year with the Brooklyn Nets. It was his contract year. And it's scary because players get paid based on that contract year. They play a lot better on that contract year, knowing that they're up for a contract extension, renewal. It's kind of a showcase for other teams. And when I see that, I always think about how Jalen Rose was when he was on the Indiana Pacers. And he had that breakout performance, won most improved player in 1999, the year 2000. He signed that seven-year, $93 million extension for the Indiana Pacers. Uh, Bleacher Report had an article quoting that as Rose was a bona fide scorer who averaged over 30, 20 points per game on new, numerous times of his career. These, And I quote, he was best known for the instant offense he provided almost right up until the last season in the league and then it says okay that is not entirely true he may be best known for signing this incredible lucrative contract that was worth nearly nine figures I do agree with that he did still produce 22.1 points per game He had four assists. Uh, He was averaging four turnovers. After he got traded from the Indiana Pacers after signing that lucrative deal, he got shipped off to the Bulls, ended up going to the Toronto Raptors for a couple of years. Following that 
and then he ended up in New York, and then he finally ends up in Phoenix for one game, and that was it. Uh, he's been known to say he solidified the bag. He gets that. I'm, I'm taken if you make that statement, you understand what people might say or think about that contract, and he got what he did. He was never that same player during that playoff run that the Indiana Pacers had making it to the championship, losing to the Los Angeles Lakers. And he never got really back to what he was showcasing during that whole playoff stretch, that whole playoff run. And I don't know if that was because it wasn't the system that fit him and the players he was surrounded with, with Reggie Miller, Jermaine O'Neal. And he didn't seem to mesh the following year because you sign that contract, you get shipped out. And to me, that was shocking. I guess to him, it was probably surprising as well too. But, you know, it was a business back then in 2000 and it still is a business now going forward. So with D'Angelo Russell coming to the to fold, I think that the Golden State Warriors will be able to stay afloat, stay productive on the aspect of their system has always been beneficial to players that have been overlooked, written off, and not considered, you know, somebody that anyone would go after going forward. And that just brings me to the next mystery that they picked up is Glenn Robinson III. You know, when he came in from Michigan, there was a lot of talks, a lot of hope, a big-bodied wing player, who's able to get to the ball spots, play some defense. Really looked like he uh, would be a big impact player when getting drafted to the NBA. And ever since he's come in, he's averaged in 219 games 4.4 points, 2.1 rebounds, 0.6 assists. Uh, 43, 43% from the floor, 36 from the three-point line beyond the arc. He's a 72% free-throw shooter. And in 47 games last season, he averaged 4.2 points, 1.5 rebounds, 0.4 assists. He shot 42% from the floor. His three-point field goal percentage was 29, coming to a team that is known for their outside shooting. Free throws, he was 80%. Um, You know, they were able to get the max out of JaVale McGee that was overlooked, written off, and people thought was more a Shaq and the Fool contestant than an actual player. And Javel became a rim runner, uh, defender, an overall new look, new life, new concept behind him. And it solidified him going forward with signing with the LA Lakers and maintaining another season with them as well, too. But how do you get the most out of a player when you need the most out of that player now that Clay Thompson is sidelined until February? Because I'm looking at the overall numbers being produced by 
Glenn Robinson III. And, you know, in 2017, and 2018 season, you know, minutes played, he was at 14.7. Um, 2016, 2017 minutes played, he was at 20. He averaged six, four rebounds, seven assists. He played only 69 games. In 2015, 2016, 11.3 minutes, 3.8 points, one and a half rebounds, 0.6 assists in 45 games. When he came in, 2014, 2015, he only played 35 games. In 2017, 2018 season, he played in a playoff series of the Cavs, but he didn't combine for a total of six and a half minutes, one rebound and two points in two games played. In a seven-game series, when he was with uh, the Indiana Pacers at that time, uh, the following season he played with Detroit. You know, played a total of 13 minutes, 4.2 rebounds, 1.5 assists. No, sorry, 0.4 assists in 47 games. Okay. He goes with the Bucks. He they lose four straight when he was on Detroit at the time, and he played three out of those four games. He played a combined thirty-four point thirty-five minutes per game, but on average, nothing solidifies himself as you know a big key pickup. But it's somebody that they needed to go after at the shooting forward position for their team that is depleted in that role so will he be able to be a productive asset going forward a lot of people are looking at him or just probably myself looking at him as an enigma and a mystery if he can be that shooting forward that we saw in Michigan that was able to knock down some shots take people off the dribble uh, mismatch on the low post and really produce and be productive in an offense I could see Golden State kind of embodying him and putting him in in a system that seems to fit a lot of players that people have written off and make them into players that have the potential going forward so he is going to be the enigma for me on this Golden State Warriors team for the upcoming season. They've got Willie Cauley-Stein, which I believe is a replacement for ja- JaVel McGee. He is a similar player in regards to he's a rim runner, rim protector, uh, good at finding the open lanes when there's penetration by point guards, a good pick-and-roll individual, and he's got a consistent 15-foot jump shot on the outside. He shoots about 55 from the field, Uh, He averaged in 81 games this year, 12 points, 8 rebounds, 2 assists, as I stated, 55 from the floor. His free throws are probably the same, are exactly the same as his 
overall field goal percentage, which is 55. His career is 10 points. He's averaged six rebounds, two assists. He's shooting 53 from the floor. His free throw percentage is at 61, so it could have been an off year last year. And a lot of guys had breakout performances, but he demanded a trade from Sacramento. He opted to get it. Him and Boogie Cousins seem to be um, two former Sacramento players that are now playing for Golden State or have played for Golden State. And Sacramento opted to go with Collie Stein instead of Boogie Cousins when they traded him to the New Orleans Pelicans at that time. And now Willie Stein is out and they're back to scratch. But, you know, he should be a good key pickup on the offensive end. Look for him and um, Steph Curry to be kind of intertwined or attached at the hip, coming off those screen and rolls and allowing him to facilitate, come off those screens, knock down some open looks. And Draymond and I believe D'Angelo Russell will kind of be a pick and roll nightmare if Draymond Green can get back to his scoring days. But, you know, as I said, they were 57-25 and 25 last year, first in the conference. Clay's not back till February. Defensively, they're not going to be the same team. Uh, they're not going to be able to lock down the perimeters. Shooters with Andre Iguodala not being there. Yes, he tends to get injured throughout the course of the season, but when he is playing and... He's always playoff ready and, you know, coming from a guy who won the 2015 NBA Finals MVP, despite the fact that he was guarding LeBron James and LeBron James led every statistical category for every player in that series. But, you know, I don't understand how that happens. I understand they lost, but if a guy gets MVP for containing a guy who led everybody on both teams. I I don't know. That's can't take that away from him, but it's always a question mark to me. But they lose that. They lose him. They lose KD. You know, 2017-2018 season. Average 26.4 points per game, 6.8 rebounds, 5.4 assists and two blocks the following season. 26 points, rebounds staying the same, assists going up to six, and, you know, he's giving you a block a game. They won't be able to control the pace as they did before without KD and Iggy as well, too, on the defensive end. Uh, their scheming might be changed around. It might be a lot different going forward without Clay being there as well, too. You're relying heavily on unknown individuals to play defense. Unknown guys that you've never had before. Your depth chart goes from at point guard position. Jay Evans is your backup. D'Lo is your shooting guard. You have Clay Thompson out until February. At your shooting forward position, you have Glenn Robinson III. And at your power forward, you have Green. And... At your center position, you have Colley Stein and Kevon Looney. You know, you go from that to last year when you had DeMarcus Cousins, Curry, Durant, Green, and Klay Thompson. As your starting lineup, you're going to take a step back. 
it's interesting to see if they play this upcoming season and how they play this upcoming season. We're talking about duos and, you know, and how the league has changed from that post-73-9 2015-2016 season where we saw a team come back from 3-1 and then be up 3-1 and lose in the NBA final and have the comeback of 3-1 up against them. You know, KD was a big factor for them winning those two back-to-back championships because they they took a team that was already great and made them unbeatable when you add a natural seven-foot jump-shooting, consistent knockdown three-point assassin who can post up any mismatch at his position and get his shot off whenever he wants due to the fact that he's a seven-footer who once elevated, elevates above and beyond. It's impossible unless you're jumping out, out the gym. But now the X factor for them is biggest is Draymond Green. Okay, he called out KD, said what he said. You know, KD and the whole organization, Golden State Warriors, kind of started off on a bad term after their first championship with the owner stating what he said at the parade in regards to KD not really being involved or being here from the beginning like Steph was. So he could never be Steph. But at the same time, who says that out loud and in front of your whole nation of dub dub supporters? Who who does that? Who thinks that would make a relationship better? If it's an inside joke and a conversation that you can have among that guy, then by all means do so. But publicly announcing that out loud kind of makes people a little weary going forward, especially if that player is hearing that and just won the finals MVP was the reason why they beat LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers so handily because he was the new addition to that team. So if Draymond, back to Draymond because got sidetracked there. You know, he's a 32 career triple-double he's, he's gotten in his career. His playoff average of 10 He's had 10 combined triple-doubles in the playoffs. 22 in the regular season. He's got 16 at home, 16 on the road. Got none last year. 2015-2016 season, he was averaging 14 points a game, 10 rebounds, 7 assists. Gave you about a two blocks, a block and a half a game. Roughly around steal and a half to two steals a game was shooting 49% from the floor. You know, lost to, to Kawhi Leonard for Defensive Player of the Year two years in a row. Okay? So, you know, if he wants to be who he says he needs to be and how they were before, he is going to have to play up to his expectations. He's going to have to fulfill 
the fact that, you know, he told KD that they he wasn't needed. And I think he probably felt like they were good prior to him and they should have won. And if they did win that one, I don't think they would have been calling him over. But he was part of getting KD there. Uh, that Hampton Five is dismantled. Golden State's got to worry about a lot more things going forward, but I'm just going to say this now. When Clay Thompson comes back, I put these guys at the top of that food chain. People don't realize what Clay has done for this organization. Every single time Clay plays, and I mean, I should say Clay goes off. The Warriors win, and they win handedly. There's no if ands, or buts about it because he just does what he does, and he does what he does well. You know, it's the Houston, whole Houston Rockets concept and construct of things is the reason why they've lost and they're panicking. It's not because of the offense. It's because of Clay Thompson. Clay Thompson has always come up disgustingly big in big games. Uh, 2015, 2016 against OKC, he had 11 threes. 11 threes in a game six elimination game. Okay? He went off. Did the same thing to Houston. Whenever somebody thinks they're going to beat Golden State... Clay Thompson, unlimited touches, produces the best game stats you'll see in quarters and in those elimination games. He is the one guy that everyone's overlooking with this whole dual concept of the Splash Brothers were the Splash Brothers. They call them that for a reason. Golden State Warriors... We're upcoming with Mark Jackson as their coach. Mark Jackson kind of gave them that defensive core that they needed, their schemes, their systems. Steve Kerr gave them the offense they needed. And once that offense was implemented with the defensive mentality they had before, they were an unstoppable force. So their system is made to have players play great because of their offensive-minded coach, but they still got some defensive scheming that people overlook because they score so much. Their offense is so great. They're so gifted at shooting and so on and so forth. But they're able to be that team because their defense allows them to be that team. And that's the question mark going forward. Clay is a big factor to that. When he does come back, you see, he will kind of pull the wolves from people's eyes because the Durant situation experiment that he had in Golden State kind of put him to the back burner and he took that seat back and you saw him give KD whatever he needed but he would also be impactful in the most low-key calming sense of uh, yeah that's Clay that's what Clay does so now that KD's gone we won't see him until February. We'll be able to see how good Clay is. Maybe not this coming season, but 
knowing his mentality, if he comes back with that determination just to play, just to prove, and they're in that playoff hunt and they get to that playoffs, they're going to be a team that is going to be a problem if he is able to get his legs under him for that upcoming playoff run. And D'Angelo Russell, if he produces the way he should within that offense, uh, with the spacing that's available, with the way they're able to spread the floor, if he can knock down some outside threes like he was doing when he was in Brooklyn, if he could just produce the same numbers he had when he was with the Nets, they should be productive. A lot of people are looking at that as if, uh, you know, he's he was in a lot of pick and roll positions before. He was doing this, he was doing that, and... I don't know how he'll be over there. And I think he'll be the way he is over there because their their offensive scheme is a lot better suited. Uh, They use a lot of people's talents within the system. And it takes me back to what I was talking about with Jalen Rose. He was productive under Larry Bird, but unproductive or never reached that potential again once he got traded away and was out of that system. When he went to Chicago, he was shooting more, but he wasn't overall productive team-wise. People weren't being involved as much in in the offense. Toronto, same thing. Just ask Kobe on that 81 he dropped. There was no defense on that Toronto team, period, with Sam Mitchell coaching. Uh, There was at one point, but that game was a fallout for everybody. But different time, different conversation. So when Clay does come back, I look forward to seeing the numbers he produces. Just a little snap into snapshot into what it is without Durant on the floor. Just just take the 2019 NBA Finals. Steph had 41 minutes. He was averaging. Draymond was averaging 41 as well. Clay was at 36, but coming off an injury during that and getting injured in game six of that NBA Finals. Clay was still going with 26 points per game, four rebounds, two assists, shooting 54% from the floor with 17 shots on average, knocking down nine. Beyond the arc at 58, 59%, knocking down five out of the eight three-pointers he, he puts up. And getting to the line what, three times? But if KD gone, which he was in this series, kind of gives you an insight to what Clay can and cannot do. And before he got injured, game six, he was about to once again have that performance where it feels like they need somebody to score. He is that body to score. Regardless of who's on him, who's in front of him, it's if he takes over and he just finds the rim twice, Good luck, because that's another four or five coming, whoever's in front of him. Doesn't matter who or what tries to stop him, he'll get those shots off. Draymond was averaging 13 points, 11 rebounds, 10 assists. You know, roughly getting back to that triple-double state that he was when they were 73-9. and uh, If he gets back to that and solidifies himself, you know, he could shoot a lot better from that three-point mark. He's got a really get back to what he was before career-wise because he's he's taken a step back off that and that's why a lot of teams were able to explo- expose him going forward this season so he should 
be a factor. And Steph, you know, he he's a 50-40-90 individual. Despite the fact he was averaging 31 in the series, five rebounds, six assists, uh, 50-40, 50 from the floor, 40 from three, 90 from the free throw line. That's an average stat that Steph does develop and produce. On a, He's one of those guys. But in the finals, out of the 21 he was taking, he was hitting nine of them. So he was at 41 from the from the floor. He tired, exhausted due to the fact he was working so much. And this is an upcoming snapshot on what Steph has to look forward to. He's got to get his... He's got to be that guy now with these guys being out. He was throwing up 11 shots and he was knocking down 11 threes. He'd knock down four of them. So, and he's still the 90 guy from the free throw line. You get him to the line, he's going to knock down, you know, nine out of the 10 shots he takes. So they got something going forward. They got to look at that aspect. So I'm not sleeping on the Golden State Warriors, despite the fact that everyone's talking about LA Clippers, LA Lakers being at the forefront due to the fact what they got in Houston and so on and so forth. This is the team that knows what it takes to win. They've been at the top for the amount of time that they've been there and people are just overlooking them because of what transpired in the offseason. But I feel like the moves they've made are going to be beneficial for them going forward into the season and people are going to be, where's Golden State? Oh my gosh, these guys are coming out of nowhere. But they've been there. And I think they're going to be here to remind us this coming season that let's not forget about what we are or who we are. I know it's a new look and we're at a new new arena, but I don't think they're going to go back at all to what they were prior to Durant. 73 and 9, that's what they were prior to him. On top of the NBA, that's what they were prior to him. So... And they were with that with Draymond Green, Steph Curry, and Clay Thompson. So I'ma call him Clay because his mama called him Clay. Once again, mid-range podcast. I'm your host, KP. Golden State of Mind, new place, new team. Do not sleep on these guys going forward. I'll see you next time, people. <laughs>